you have your Bibles, let's open them, please, to the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke chapter 22. If you do not have a Bible, you can just look this way. And I appreciate the spirit you brought on a windy, damp, wet, dreary, rainy, branches falling from the sky, earthquake this afternoon forecast. No, I'm just kidding you. Uh, they don't forecast those, do they? And, uh, but I just appreciate the spirit you've brought. Luke chapter 22, if you have a cell phone, if you'd be so kind, uh, make sure it's on vibrate and put away and not in our hands shopping or texting or something like that. That would really, really honor the Lord. All right. So here we go. I'll read two or three verses. Luke chapter 22. And again, we announced it earlier. If by some reason... The power goes out because of uh, storm damage and branches uh, hitting power lines. We have, we have lights that will come on. Uh, we've got men that have a generator if we need it. We probably won't have sound, but we'll go on with church. We'll be safe. Every class has uh, already uh, been taken care of. They'll be fine. So I don't want you to feel like we're being uh, dangerous or not care. It's already been thought through. And... In the olden days, uh, when Jesus preached, they didn't have electricity, they didn't have padded pews, they didn't have sound systems, and they survived, and we could do that too for one service, it'll be fine. So Luke chapter 22, and uh, Jesus is with the disciples, it's toward the end of his ministry, and we see, it's just a shocking verse, Luke twenty-two twenty-four. and there was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest? They're standing with Jesus and arguing, arguing about which disciple is the greatest. And they're standing next to Jesus. Do you get it? These disciples were not as smart as we think. And uh, he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. Stop down in verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. So he's, he's talking to one of his disciples. He calls him by name twice. Why twice? Well, just like a little child, first time you call their name, you're getting their attention. Then when they look, now you're telling them something. And so God has to do that with us sometimes. Then one other verse, I want to give you this in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 we see that Jesus calls him something else. In Matthew 16, and looking down into verse number 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Put it in modern, modern vernacular. Jesus was saying, uh, What's the word on the street? What are they saying about me on the streets? And verse 14, they say, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? So it doesn't matter what other people say about Jesus. What's important is what do you believe about him? That's what he's saying. And uh, then verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, or Simon son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want to speak on this subject today. Simon Peter, center saint. Simon Peter, center saint. Father, bless now this time we have. Open our eyes to truth. Help it be something that would motivate us to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus loves us just the way we are. He loves you just the way you are. But, capital B, but refuses to leave you that way. He is working on changing you. Oft times, I'll counsel a couple and they're wanting to get married. And I'll say, Nick, you do see these glaring faults of this guy, right? And how many ladies just, just know that all men have glaring faults? Oh, okay. So you do see all these glaring faults. And then oft times the girl will say, classic statement, but I can change him. You know what? God could say the same thing. The devil points out all of our glaring sins and glaring faults. God, you're going to love this guy. Look at how he lives and look at what he's like. And God said, Jesus says, but I can change him. And God is in the changing business. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In the New Testament, as you go through the Gospels, you see Jesus just leaving a trail of transformed and changed lives. He meets a woman at a well, rejected by five men, five husbands. She's living with a guy now. The women have shunned her. It's noon. She's coming out to get water at the heat of the day. And Jesus changes her life. She becomes the greatest soul winner in the Bible, brings the whole city to Jesus Christ. I think of Zacchaeus. He was a publican, a tax collector. By the way, there'll be no IRS agents in heaven. Well, maybe one. Anyway, but uh, he was a tax collector and a crook on top of that. He padded the money. He charged extra taxes. And Jesus met him up in a tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. Today salvation is come to your house. And Zacchaeus said, from now on, I'm going to pay back those I've stolen. I'm going to double money, give back to them. I'm going to be gentle. Jesus changed that man's life. It was a thief on the cross who's, uh, who was a murderer and a thief. And, and he's deriding and, and he's slamming on Jesus on the cross. And, and soon he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Even at the last moments, God was changing a thief and a murderer's heart. That's what he did. He walked past fishermen. And soon, they're not fishermen, they're preachers. Everywhere Jesus went, great things happened. He never left anybody the same. He changes people's lives. Amen. And such is the case with Simon Peter. He was what we would call the leader of the disciples, though Jesus never said, you're the leader. It was 12 of them. There were three in the inner circle, Peter, James, John. But it seemed like Jesus spent extra time with Simon Peter. When he rebuked him, it was hard. When he corrected him, it was brutal. But he knew the potential that Simon Peter had. His name is Simon. 
But sometimes we call him Peter. What is that all about? Sometimes in the Bible, when God changed someone, he changed their name. Old Testament, it was Abram. But after he met God, he became the friend of God. He was Abraham. It was uh, his wife. Her name was Sarai. But after uh, she had an experience with the Lord, it was Sarah. Uh, His name was uh, uh, Jacob, a deceiver, a trickster, a a supplanter, a, a, a take advantage of people man. And after he wrestled with God, he became Israel. And so we see that pattern throughout scripture. And then we see that somehow Jesus changed Simon's name. We see him Simon. We see him Peter. We see him Simon Peter. What in the world does that mean? Here's his background quickly. His brother Andrew is the one that brought him to Jesus. And I love that. That's all we know about Andrew. Uh, He found a little lad's lunch. Jesus multiplied it. Second time he's mentioned, it says, he first findeth his own brother and bringeth him to Jesus. If that's the only thing Andrew ever did, he brought his brother to Jesus Christ. What a great brother. And uh, Andrew was the first soul winner in the New Testament. And that's why our church exists. It's for us to find the Lord and then bring everybody we can to meet Jesus Christ because he will change them. They'll fall in love with him. And that's what church is all about. And so he brings Simon Peter. What did, what did Simon, uh, what happened to Simon Peter? Simon believed that Jesus was not just a man or a prophet. He believed from his heart that Jesus was God who left heaven, was virgin born, was living a perfect life. Simon slept next to Jesus, ate food next to Jesus, saw him walk on the water, do miracles. He lived with him for three years and never saw one fault. He never saw one sin. You get around someone three years and you're going to find out if they're human or not. Jesus was in a human body, but he was God all the way. He was the son of God. He was the savior. And so Simon said, he's not just a man. He's the Christ, the anointed of God. He's the savior. He received Jesus Christ as his savior. That's where his journey began. And by the way, that's where your journey will begin. It's not if you give up this and you give up this and straighten this out and fix all your relationships and and you do all these good deeds and get baptized and start coming to church. It all begins by all your faith being put in Jesus Christ. He's the Savior. He wants to save me. Come in my heart. I receive you as a gift. I cannot earn it. I cannot merit it, but I do accept it. And that's what salvation is all about. So here it is. Simon Peter had a split personality. That's the problem. He was Simon sometimes. He was Peter sometimes. And that's why Jesus addressed him sometimes as Simon. Sometimes he addressed him as Peter. You say, Pastor, what do you mean? Split personality. Sometimes he was carnal. Sometimes he was spiritual. Sometimes it was his old man in charge. Sometimes it was his new man in charge. Sometimes it was like a raven feeding on the dead things of this world. Sometimes it was a dove feeding on the living things of this world. Sometimes he lived by his feelings. Sometimes he lived by the word of God. Sometimes it was the flesh. Sometimes it was the spirit. When the old, uh, when the old Simon Peter showed up, Jesus called him Simon. When he thought spiritually, Jesus called him Peter. 
So guess what? I tell you why it's hard to pastor. I'm pastoring a church full of people with split personalities. We all are split personalities in that realm. When he was Simon, he chewed Jesus out. He corrected God. When he was Simon, he said, which of us is the greatest? When he was Simon, he said, we've left houses, lands, jobs, parents. What are we going to get out of this? (laughs) Spiritual. He was Simon. When he cursed and said, I don't even know who this Jesus is, he was Simon. But when he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus said, thou art Peter. Do you you follow it? Is this too deep? Is this not even in the Bible or what? In the book of Acts, get this, in the book of Acts, he's never called Simon again. Something happened to Simon Peter and in the book of Acts, he preaches and 3,000 people get saved and become Christians. He stands up, he's bold. No more denying the Lord. He writes the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, two books of the Bible. At the end of his life, legend has it, they started to crucify him and kill him. He said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Flip the cross upside down. And they crucified him upside down. What a guy. Something happened to Simon Peter. You say, well, what happened to Simon Peter? Here it is. He had a meeting with Jesus. After Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, and I'm going somewhere, the message is short. After Jesus rose from the dead, 40 days he appeared to the disciples. 500 saw him. They could touch him. They saw him eat. He spoke. He lived with them. Then ascended to heaven. But before that, he had a meeting with Simon Peter. You remember? Simon had had denied that he knew the Lord during the trial. The rooster crowed twice, and he denied him three times. He wept bitterly. He felt like a failure. You ever been there? You ever felt like, I don't think I've been a good Christian this week. Probably no one in this room. I'm I'm talking to all those people out here. But maybe you felt like, man, God ought to just kill me. Look what I just did. (laughs) Help me, Lord. You didn't get much when you got, we all feel that way. Well, Simon felt like a failure. And he told his, his, his fellow disciples, I'm going fishing. I'm going back to my old job. I tried the ministry for three years. I'm not cut out for it. I'm a flop. Three years and I cuss and I deny the Lord. I'm heading back to the old life. And you know what Jesus did? He hunted him down. By the way, if you're here today and you used to be close to God and now you're not, God's on your trail. He's got too much invested in you to let you just waste your life and get away. He's coming after you, but in love, not in vengeance. And so... They're fishing. They're not catching any fish. And Jesus is on the shore. He said, cast the net on the other side of the boat. And he's so far away, they can't recognize him. Most fishermen would say, you get your own boat. But Simon Peter, well, it's not going to hurt. They throw the net on the other side. The net's filled with fishes. John says, it's Jesus. We're busted. That's modern translation. (laughs) Simon Peter jumps in, swims to shore. And guess what Jesus has? He's got a fish breakfast. He's got filet of fish sandwiches. Ronald McDonald is there. I mean, it's all right there. He's got french fries, apple pie. No, but he's got, he, he's, got, he's got the fish on the grill. He's got homemade biscuits on the grill. Hey, get this. Whatever you're searching for, Jesus already has what you're looking for. Hey, you won't find it in drugs. 
You won't find it in a bottle of liquor. You won't find it on a porn site. You won't find it in a bank. You won't find it in CDs or 401Ks. And so uh, 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 some of those things are not evil, but I'm just saying, Jesus has found and already has what you're looking for. He will satisfy every inner desire that you have. No person, no relationship can fill the emptiness in a heart. Only God can do that. And so while they're eating, by the way, here's a little marriage tip real quick. Ladies, if your man won't talk, feed him. It's a Bible principle. He won't talk, feed him. When a man's got a fork in his hand and a knife in the other, he'll talk. Our marriage is terrible. Really? What's wrong with it? You? (laughs) He'll talk. (laughs) And so Jesus is feeding Simon Peter. Jesus kind of quietly says, hey, um, maybe he's reminding him of the cross. Simon, you love me. Jesus, and Simon said, yes, Lord. And he uses a word that's like, I like you a lot. Jesus asked again, do you love me? Yes, Lord. He said, you love me more than these? Now, we never know what the these is. It doesn't say. Was he pointing to the fish that he just caught? Fish were money. That was his living. That pile of fish was cash. Do you love me more than money? Maybe he was pointing to his boats. Do you love me more than your business? Maybe he was pointing to the other disciples. Do you love me more than your followers on Facebook? Excuse me. Do you love me more than your homies? No, no, I shouldn't have said. Do you love me more than your buddies? Do you love me more than any human relationship? We never get the rest of the story. All we know is first chapter in Acts, he's a leader. Second chapter in Acts, 3,000 people are listening to him preach. Something happened to Simon Peter. Here's a story, old story, new for about two of you. So years ago, I have this brother. I only have one. I still have him. He's three years older than me, half, half as strong, not as good looking, not near as smart, not as corny. In high school, my brother was what you would call the cat's meow. That's an ancient term. He was very popular. He headed up the high school band, which, is, uh, which was, I think, 180 at the halftime shows. He was the drum major. He placed in the talent show at the uh, school, high school. He played some of nine different instruments. He had a set of drums in our house. He played the bass. He played the guitar. He was a good drummer. He was the top timpani player. He made all state. He could read music. He started a band. He started a band, a rock band. They toured Europe. I mean, he was, he was just very popular. And somehow the girls liked him. They'd call the house. So one day my brother announced to our family, he said, I'm trying out the cheerleader. Do what? He said, they're allowing guy cheerleaders in the school now. I said, Tommy, you sissy. 
And he said, no. You get to twirl the girls around and dance with the girls. And you know, they stand on your shoulders and, and all the beautiful girls. Huh. Well, they had cheerleader camp that summer. It was in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So my brother had to go to cheerleader camp to learn how to do the jumps and the flips and the twirls and, and all this. Well, get this. There were 5,000 girls at cheerleader camp. Ten guys. My brother, smart guy. He was one of the 10 guys. Well, that week, all these girls fell in love with my brother. Back then, no cell phones. He started getting letters in the mail. And, and the stamps were upside down. Some of you old timers, you know what that means. It means I'm in love. And the, the little hearts, and they were sprayed with perfume, and, and pink, pink handwriting, and all this kind of stuff. He started getting this, these fan letters. One girl, and I'm not making this up, mailed him a roll of toilet paper. And she had written a love letter on the entire roll of toilet paper. The entire roll was a love letter. He looked at that. He goes, look, little brother, look at that. I said, yeah, Tommy, look at it. It's toilet paper. And he was getting calls and letters all the time. He had these beautiful pictures of these girls in his bedroom. Drawers filled with letters. And then one day I came into the uh, house and my brother had a big garbage can in his room. and He was opening all these drawers and dumping all these love letters in the garbage can. He was taking these girls' beautiful pictures and putting them in the garbage can. I walked in his room and I said, I'll take that one. I don't even know who it is. But uh, that's better than my Easy Rider poster on the wall. He took a little black book, all these phone numbers, and dropped the phone numbers in the garbage can. I said, Tommy, what has happened to you? Here's what he said. I have found the one. I have found the one that I'm going to marry. Therefore, I don't need any of these other pictures. And I don't need to save these love letters. I don't need any of this stuff. I have found the one. And I got to thinking about how that's the comparison with the Christian life. That's what happened to Simon Peter. He said, I've had the fishing boats. I've had the money. I've had the friends. I've had the popularity. But I found something that's greater than all of that. I found Jesus Christ. And I'm going to settle the love question. Settle the love question. Some Christians struggle their whole life. They got a foot in the world and then they got a foot in church. And then they got a foot with the devil. They're dancing with the devil. Then they dance with Jesus. And it's, and it's here and it's here. It's what do my friends want me to do? What does God want me to do? And it's back and forth. The sooner we settle the love question, the sooner our life has peace. You say, well, what's that mean? Or what's that look like, pastor, when you settle this love question? When you settle the love question... It settles if you end up getting baptized or not. When you settle the love question, it settles where you are on Sunday mornings, where you are on Sunday nights, where you may be on a Wednesday night, uh, where are you going to be during Super Bowl Sunday. When you settle the love question and it's I love you with all my heart, I don't need the devil. I don't want sin. I don't want to live for my life. Uh, myself. I want to live for you. It just settles it all. It settles what you do on your vacation. 
if you go to church or not. It settles where you go, who you date, what you say, what you listen to, what you watch. Uh, If you're playing on your phone during church or not, it just all comes out if you've settled the love question. It settles your plans after high school, what you carry in your pockets, uh, uh, what you give, your goals in life, where you go to college, how you use your talents. It just all settles it all. Let me ask you a question. Simon Peter, have you settled the love question yet? Have you just settled it? I don't need these things anymore. I found the one. I found the one. I don't need this stuff anymore. I just need you. You say, well, pastor, give us something practical. What will help us settle the love question? You got to get your eyes off everybody else. Simon Peter looked around and he goes, well, what's this guy going to do? And he points to John. (laughs) Jesus is lecturing Simon Peter. And he goes, hey, uh, what's this guy supposed to do? (laughs) If I was Jesus, I'd have slapped him and said, look at me, man. Some of you, your whole life, well, look at what so-and-so is doing. Well, look at what so-and-so is doing. Then you have to look him up on Facebook. Look at what so-and-so is doing. Is, Is that your whole life? You know, God's got a plan for your life. You're going to have to get your eyes. Hey, you can find hypocrites everywhere. You can find them in politics. You can find them in churches. You can find them at your job. You keep your eyes on people like that. And that's your whole life. Get your eyes off others. Number two, back to the basics. He said, so what? And Jesus said, follow thou me. That was the first thing Jesus said to Simon when he met him on the seashore. He said, follow me. and I'll make you fishers of men. He said, what's that mean, pastor? Get back in the Bible. If you're not in this book every day, set an appointment with the Lord and say, Lord, I may not understand it all, but you're speaking. I'm going to spend some time. Talk to me. Guide my life. Heal my hurts. Comfort me with your word. Say something to me that I need to hear. Tell me what no one else can tell me. Give me something. Pick me up, Lord. Back to the basics. This book, back to the basics. Spending time in prayer. Alone with the Lord. Some of you are so bottled up, you've not talked to the Lord in such a long time. He's been waiting for you. That's right. Come on, Pastor. What you need to do is just set aside some time, get alone, and just pour your heart out. Here's how I'm hurting. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's some sins I've done. I need forgiveness. Lord, guide me. I still got a chip uh, on my shoulder because of something you did, Lord. It just, you need to just pour it all out. Oftentimes, I tell marriage couples who are fighting and feuding, I'll tell them, I'll say, you need to sit down and peaceably say, okay, I'm going to tell you everything, how you've hurt me. You tell me every way I've hurt you and talk till there's nothing else to say. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes we have to do that with the Lord. Just pour it all out, pour it all out. Number three, get back to church. COVID's over. Hey, hey, COVID is over. And I know there's still COVID and some people still get it, but I'm just saying, it's time to get back to church. You can listen online. I'm not against that if you're sick, but I'm just saying, there's something about coming inside the house of God and seeing someone who's got a physical ailment and they're here. That encourages you. Seeing people in our church battling cancer and they're here this morning and seeing someone else who just lost a job, but they're still in church and they're here. Just seeing others encourages you. And by the way, Just someone seeing you here encourages you. And you being here this morning, I thought it's just going to be me and my wife. And she said, I ain't coming either. (laughs) 
Just you being here has encouraged me. Settle the love question. That's the message on the storm of the century Sunday. Today in February.